Hey guys, Ed from Paranormal Inc. Ohio here, back at it again with another podcast episode. Guys, again, I am going to be sniffling and coughing. I am still battling this cold. I am slowly getting better, but <clears throat> you'll hear me doing the clear the throat thing. I know it's annoying. I'm so very sorry that I am over the hump of this, I think. So, tonight's episode is about the history of voodoo. From where it started, all the way up until, you know, how it is in New Orleans and around the world. Black magic, devil worship, zombies, human sacrifice, orgies, and cannibalism are many people's frame of reference when it comes to voodoo. This small religion has a big cultural impact and a decidedly sinister reputation. Over two centuries of hostile propaganda have morphed voodoo into a deeply racialized form of witchcraft in the popular imagination in the wake of decades of racist sensationalism. The commercialism of voodoo continually manipulates tourists' fascination with the unfamiliar. Today's voodoo saints are still forced to compete with a precedent distrust of their traditions. Whether it is feared or mocked, voodoo almost always inspires a kind of morbid curiosity in outsiders. But what is voodoo really? Where did it come from? And why is it so misunderstood? Contrary to popular opinion, voodoo or voodoo is not a form of witchcraft or demonic It is a folk religion originating from Haiti that came into being when Africans were captured and forced into slavery, causing their cultures and religious beliefs to collide with Catholicism. The African roots of voodoo may stretch back over 6,000 years, making it one of the world's oldest ancestral traditions. The more modern incarnation of its of this ancient African religion Voodoo emerged as a unique blend of Catholic and African magical and religious rites. Voodoo, however, is a dynamic religion with no standardized dogma. It is quite common and completely acceptable for two neighboring voodoo temples to practice different traditions, so defining voodoo and the beliefs of its practitioners can be tricky. That said, there are recognizable threads that unite the varying traditions of voodoo. The African elements of the religious practice are derived mainly from the the Dahomey region of West Africa and from the Yorubi, Fon and U peoples of West Africa and the Congo people from Central Africa. Many elements of African spirituality continue to exist in modern voodoo and the practices of transcendental drumming and dancing worship ancestral dead and worship of spirits called Iwa the Iwa are thought to be invisible supernatural beings that serve as intermediaries between humans and the supreme creator God known in Haitian Creole as Bondier from the French Bondue meaning good God Despite the importance of the Iwa, voodoo, like Christianity, is a monotheistic religion. Guys, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cough, (laughs) so please forgive me how I'm talking. There are clearly recognizable Christian elements of voodoo. 
Those unfamiliar with the practice might be surprised to learn that it has a lot in common with Catholicism, including prayers such as the Lord's Prayer and Hail Mary, and rituals such as baptism, making the sign of the cross, and the use of candles, crosses, and images of saints. Some followers of voodoo self-identify as Catholics. In regard to the saints and the Iwa as different embodiments of the same entities. Other voodooists choose to distance themselves from identification with Catholicism and Christianity in general, holding that Catholic imagery and ritual and voodoo was and is a mere facade intended to disguise African spiritual practices as Catholic rites. The initial adoption of Catholic rites after all, was indeed a result of European colonists' ruthless attempt to suppress all aspects of African culture, particularly so-called heathen religious beliefs. In Haiti and across the Atlantic, world enslaved Africans were forced to toil in merciless conditions. Their homes, property, families, and communities were all torn away. They had very little left except their faith to which they clung tenaciously. In Haiti, as elsewhere, there was an attempt to strip them of that in 1685. The French King Louis passed Le Code Noir, a decree that dictated the lawful conditions that were applied to slaves and slaveholders across the French colonial empire, La Code Noir, specified that slaves must be baptized as Roman Catholics upon arrival in the French colonies and that the practice of any other religion was forbidden. Slavers who allowed or even tolerated their captives subversive religious habits would be punished along with them. But the colonists were outsmarted as aforementioned, aforementioned Africans, I can't read my writing guys, I say that every week, African and Catholic practices become integrated as a way of circumventing religious oppression so that the enslaved population could continue to practice their own religious customs under the guise of worshiping Catholic saints. For this reason, many Iwa became equated with specific saints. Papa Legba, for instance, the Iwa guardian of the crossroads and spiritual gatekeeper of voodoo traditions, is associated with St. Peter, another Iwa to be a protective warrior mother and is the national Iwa of Haiti. Syncretic modern representations of her are commonly associated with the Black Madonna of Chechnoia. The Iwa are crucial to voodooist practice since Bondier is thought to be too distant for humans to contact directly. Believers recite prayers and perform sacrifices to call and feed the spirits. Once the spirits have been beckoned, the voodooists dance hoping to be possessed or mounted by the Iwa. The tradition is often met with suspicion, primarily because in European and Euro-American Christian cultures, possession is associated with the devil and demons. But for voodooists to be possessed by a spirit is an honor and humanity's primary means of communication with the divine. It is believed that the spirits communicate through possession by which they can offer guidance to the worshiper, heal them, or even speak to congregation through them. In fact, 
Many Haitians today believe that the Iwa helped their ancestors break the shackles of slavery. On the night of August 14, 1791, as the story goes, slaves from a few neighboring plantations stole away in the night to meet deep in the forest at Bois Cayman in what was then the French colony of St. Dominique. There, gathered around a bonfire, Mambo Ciso Fatimine presided over a ceremony. The priestess pro prophesied that a revolution was coming. She said that it would be led by three of the men in her presence, Jean-Francois, Georges Biasu, and Jeannette Bollet. Probably murdered all those names. I totally apologize, guys. Slitting the throat of a black Creole pig, Fatiman handed each a cup of the sacrifice's blood to drink as they swore their solemn oath to destroy their oppressors, according to folklore, at the very moment storm clouds gathered and thunder rumbled as Fatiman was possessed by Eliza Dantur, the warrior mother Iwa, then bore witness to the beginning of what would become the America's first black republic Haiti. Thus began one of the most consequential movements in the history of the Atlantic slave trade, the Haitian Revolution of 1791-1804, was a spectacularly successful insurrection that overthrew the white colonist population and freed black Haitians from enslavement. It was also responsible for bringing voodoo to the United States. Over the course of those 13 years, many white planters fled Haiti with their slaves in tow, <clears throat> bringing their traditions and beliefs to Louisiana. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Louisiana, and more specifically, specifically New Orleans, then became the epicenter of voodoo in the United States. This cultural import from the Caribbean had a profound influence that can still be felt today. But unfortunately, the average tourist experience of voodoo in New Orleans may be warped by the persistent process of misrepresentation that crystallizes over the 19th and 20th centuries and really never went away. Due to unique history, Louisiana had a very different ethnic and religious makeup to the rest of the United States. By the time of the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, at this time, the other states already had a unique American identity, having declared independence from Britain around 27 years prior. <clears throat> Louisiana was not only late to the game in becoming an American state, but it was quite culturally distinct, having been a Spanish and French Catholic colony Worse still, most of the black enslaved population in Louisiana had come from Haiti. This was significant, <clears throat> given the Haitian Revolution had been such a crucial turning point in the history of slavery, striking fear into the hearts of slavers across the Americas. It was the only slave insurrection <coughs> sorry guys, that had seen success on such a remarkable scale, having overthrown a colonial government, abolished slavery, and installed the formerly enslaved people in power. The self-liberated slaves hit back at France, one of the most powerful empires in the world, and won. Haiti and Haitians themselves, therefore, were seen to represent an enormous threat to the colonial world. Voodoo, as something unique to Haiti, 
at that time was viewed as an important factor. The authorities, like many of the enslaved, believed that Haitian voodoo religious leaders and even the Iwa had had a hand in instigating the rebellion. Now these Haitian voodooists were on American soil and had brought their dangerous spirits and heathen religion with them. The slavers feared could be antebellum America's downfall. Emphasizing these supposed ties between voodoo and slave rebellions was one of the most important social functions of post-Civil War public voodoo narratives. As historian Michael Gordon has argued, voodoo narratives were used to establish black criminality and hypersexuality as fact. In the popular imagination, the practice of voodoo could then be cited as evidence to justify racism and segregation. The exploitation of these phobias is strikingly apparent in the 19th century. Newspapers and magazines that described rampant sexual hedonism, gory rituals, and even human sacrifice. Take, for instance, a story published in the Daily Pinon Way in 1889. Melodramatically entitled, Orgies in Haiti, a story of voodoo horrors that pass belief. The author claimed that the voodooists engaged in wild interracial orgies, carried out violent sacrifices, and had even cannibalized the little girl. The correspondent from New York claimed to have gathered this disturbing information while undercover in attendance at a Haitian ritual disguised in blackface. Like many alleged eyewitness accounts of its time, the story offers precious little in terms of credible information, instead relying almost entirely on sensationalist, highly racist propaganda and stereotypes. On this occasion, a white goat was sacrificed, but my guide informed me that the last year he was present, where a female child was stupefied with drugs, her veins open and the blood sucked out, the reporter then goes on to insist that though it seems incredible, well, authenticated cases where recently buried bodies have been exhumed, cooked, and devoured by the almost completely barbarous inhabitants have been heard of. Such violence, demonic rituals, and bloody sacrifices serve to prove the supposed barbarity of people of Haitian African descent and the white imagination. The sensationalistic reports of voodooists and their purportedly monstrous rituals could then be used to undermine Louisiana's notably radical reconstruction and emphasize the imagined horrors of black infantrism and desegregation. White newspapers ran stories promising full particulars of the hell broth and orgies with such astonishing regularity that by the late 1880s a prominent african-american newspaper called the new york age laminated that (coughs) it seemed as if each newspaper had a special agent to work in this particular field Likewise, in the 20th century, public voodoo narratives continued to rely on those racial and sexualized tropes, appropriating voodoo as a form of gaudy entertainment. The image of voodoo in public imagination morphed into something slightly more complex. 
as movies and novels shifted the focus away from news reports and towards sensationalistic fiction, voodoo came to be seen as something fascinating, alluring, erotic, even, but simultaneously dangerous and frightening. This tantalizing sort of evil is palpable in films such as Douglas Foley's Makuba Love, 1960, in the film An American Writer and His Son-in-Law Are beset by a South American voodoo queen seeking to pursue her incitationable lusts both for blood and sexual gratification. The theatrical release poster demonstrates the blatality, prejudice, <clears throat> sorry guys, <clears throat> overtones of the narrative depicting the image of a ghoulish woman in a skeletal mask holding a screaming infant over flaming black cauldron. While sanctly scantily clad dancers reveal in the violent ritual. Meanwhile, the captions read Bloodlust of the Voodoo Queen. Weird, shocking savagery in native jungle haunts. The imagery and text of the location lexicon here used to describe voodooists and their practices is very telling. It employs the very same racist appeals to the so-called savagery and weirdness of voodoo to inspire shock and horror in its audience. The same methods are still often used to represent voodoo in film and television and to sell touristic experiences in New Orleans. From the 1960s up until the present day, voodoo in the United States has been used as a source of entertainment and a tourist attraction. Consequential to New Orleans, Nowadays, the city tourists are sold things like mass-produced voodoo dolls, blessed chicken's feet, and ghost tours, most often toted by people with no real connection to the religion, but a desire to capitalize on its notoriety. But its cliche-ridden public image is the dire need of an update. In an effort to tackle the prejudice ideas surrounding voodoo, Institutions across the world, such as the New Orleans Voodoo Museum, the Bureau of Ethnology in Portu Prince, Haiti, and Chateau Mosse Vendu in Strasbourg, France, serve to offer the curious public a more educational insight into the history of this deeply misunderstood religion. Centers of art and research that are sensitive to voodoo's unique cultures and history help combat the misconceptions that continue to undermine it to this day. Meanwhile, there has also been an upsurge of interest in the spiritual practice of voodoo amongst Americans, but especially in voodoo's spiritual heartland, Louisiana. Today, there is a plethora of mambos and hugans, priestesses and priests, who serve a multi-racial community of believers who are serious students and followers of voodoo. New Orleans' modern Intelligentsia are waking up to the potential of a religion that is seemingly more, more, and more in tune with contemporary liberal ideologies than more traditional Western faiths. As Westland University's Elizabeth McAllister pointed out in an interview with The Guardian, Voodoo is a religion with equality and its very core. Voodoo affords its priests and priestesses and its male and female followers equal status. Moreover, it also seems that the voodoo, all followers, are valued and respected, including 
any types of people and walks of faith of the earth. So pretty much, guys, what it's saying there is anybody can be in voodoo. It does not forsake anybody. Um, much like Christianity and other beliefs that people believe in have their, you know, their ups and downs of who they want in and who they don't want in. Voodoo has no restrictions whatsoever. McAllister notes that voodoo inherently embraces nations of gender fluidity. Female spirits can take possession of male bodies and male spirits can possess the bodies of women. Poignantly, it is even believed that Iwa can adopt and serve as protectors for young adults. Voodoo having been so demonized and stigmatized throughout its existence is by its very nature radically unjudgmental modern voodoo is still recovering its reputation in the wake of a smear campaign that has lasted for over two centuries and still has not entirely let up this legacy of voodoo's complex history is very much recognizable today nonetheless more and more people are becoming Consequent, sorry guys, <clears throat> really trying not to cough, of voodoo's complicated yet fascinating story of its practitioner's rich cultural heritage. Now guys, when I did all this research, I had no idea about any of this going on with voodoo. You know, I, I too was like everybody else that watched the movies and, you know, I knew some about voodoo because of the paranormal world, but I didn't know it was this bad uh, people judgment of voodoo over these years you know voodoo is like any other religion you know I don't I'm not closed minded to any religion whether what faith you are and what you want to believe in that is on you and that's that's what I believe in you know you be who you want to be now I know that rituals do happen in the voodoo world and Louisiana is ripe with hauntings and just infested by spirits. Now, can this be said because of the practicing of voodoo in Louisiana? Yes, it could. Because a lot of things that we do as human beings and we do rituals for can conjure up many things. And like I've told you guys a million times, demons do not care. They will try to trick you in any way, shape, or form to try to get themselves in. So... I hope you guys enjoyed this educational piece of voodoo tonight. Um, I really liked it. I really loved the research I did for it. And I, I, like, I found out all this stuff I had no idea about whatsoever. And, you know, I've heard all the other stories. You know, I've heard about Papa Legba and many, many others. Madame Laveau, which I will do another podcast episode on. I want to do, now that I've given you guys the history of voodoo, up to today, I want to give you guys some actual voodoo accounts and what people have seen and the, you know, the more paranormal side of it and, you know, more of its rituals and what it, what it entails to be voodoo. So tomorrow's episode is going to be part two of this with all of that, you know, described in it. Today was just the history of when it was, when it was founded and how it made it to America but tomorrow is going to be, you're going to hear actual um, stories told by people that have practiced voodoo, 
Um, you're going to hear what who, who Papa Legba is, Madame Vo. All of that you're going to hear tomorrow. So I hope you guys enjoy tonight's episode. As always, I love each and every one of you. And again, I'm sorry, guys, for all the coughing and when I would pause in the middle of a sentence because I'm trying not to cough <laughs> in your guys' ears. And like I said, I'm over the hump with this, I think. I think I'm going to be very, very much better soon. And so I'm going to do the spiel now. I know you guys love this. This is a favorite part of the show for you guys. You can go to paranormalinkohio.com. There you can see the main business page. And there you can go see some old ghost hunts, ghost stories. You can check out our crystals that we have for sale and the powers that they hold. You can also check out our sage bundles that we have for sale for all cleansing needs. Necklaces, pins, and bracelets that go with the crystals. We all have those as well for sale. If you choose to buy, you do not have to buy one single thing. Um, I just I want you guys to know about all that as well. Crystals, sage, everything that comes with it. That way, if you guys need it, it's there. So, and I love you guys, and I want you guys to have that protection. So, there's that aspect of it. From there, you can go to Paranormal Inc. Ohio Group. It's our group page on Facebook. There we talk about all things paranormal. You guys give me ideas for shows. I do the research. I come up with them. And a lot of the times, I give you guys shout-outs or I'll have you on the show itself. I want to start doing live podcasts. I'm going to start recording. Or not recording. I'm going to do live podcasts on TikTok and on Facebook. That way you guys can actually see my face as well as hear it at the same time. But again, if you just like podcasts, don't worry because you don't have to check out the live. The audio version of the podcast will still be on all podcast venues for you guys. And of course, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night at 10 p.m. is a new podcast episode on all podcast venues. If you guys have used the Anchor app, you have seen that the Anchor app has been switched over to the Spotify for podcasters. Spotify owned Anchor to begin with, and they just wanted to make it their own thing. So, with that being said, all, everything, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, Stitchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, so on and so forth. There is a, we are on a lot. Every Thursday night at 10 p.m., we go live on Facebook for a conversation of the paranormal, and every Friday night at 10 p.m. is Fear Friday Lives on Facebook. There we do in-depth conversations, ghost stories, and we even do live hunts on there as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode, and I hope you guys have a great, great night. I love each and every one of you, and you will hear from me again tomorrow at 10 p.m. Thanks, guys. <laughs>